Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Adela Marcy Unplugged. I'm your host of the most, as always, Adela Marcy, and we are steamrolling through 2020 the best we can because it's, well, it's insanity. I don't know where we were at the time the show comes out, but let's just hope we're in a better place than where we began. Now, that being said, today my guest is a new friend, someone that I actually came into contact fairly recently. I did their podcast, and I got to tell you, the moment I spoke to them, I realized I need to get them onto my show. Not only do they have one of the most badass names I've ever actually heard, your son is going to have an even more badass name than you could ever imagine. Shout out to Jack. Um, my guest today is the, well, he owns... Dude, I don't know how to actually like position this for you, and I'm going to keep recording because I want people to know this. But the best way I can say this is that he helps podcasters basically start profiting and get like use your expertise in a podcast to make a fuckload of money is what he does best. He is the owner of Valor Media, which is V-A-L-H-E-R media.com. Links in the description. The one and only Charlie Valor, ladies and gentlemen. And I promise this is going to be one hell of a good show. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me. And what an introduction. Oh, dude, you are a badass, like through and through. There is no, that, that is the reason why I spoke to you. I was like, I gotta get this motherfucker on my show. I think I'll change our UVP. It's like, uh, we put IP in all podcasts to make you tons of money. That's, that's our role. But that, in that a is, nutshell, that's kind of what we do. Yeah, that is what you do. Like, I'm going for like the, how do I, how does everyone know? Because like, if we want to get technical, what your thing is that you take experts, show them how to use a podcast to leverage themselves in this incredible way which is wordy as fuck. The actual words underneath are, we make you a fuckload of money. I like it. I like it. <laughs> it's always fun. But that, that being said, however, real quickly, our shout out to our sponsors today, which are, of course, valormedia.com, where you guys can go check out um, some incredibly great free resources, including the 11 pillars of a highly profitable podcast. If you've been thinking of starting your own podcast, having it managed by someone else, and essentially letting you do the one thing that you love most, which is just, you know, teach, let them handle all the techie stuff, all the other stuff in between. Um, that is your place to go and the place that you need to be. The other sponsor for the show today is, of course, AdelMarcy.com or and also ThinkLikeACopywriter.com. Both uh, websites host this show, um, the Adel Marcy Unplugged show, and the Think like a copywriter show as well, which airs Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays at, th at 3 p.m. GMT. That being said, and last one's call out of the way, man, how's it been for you? How's your week going? It's actually been an amazing week. Um, it feels like, you know, with all the craziness in the world, there was like this initial shock and everyone kind of was like, I'm not really sure what to do. Well, all of a sudden, I, I kind of feel like the people in my circle and I hang around have come to arms and gone, you know what? I'm not going to sit on my hands. Like, let's get at it. So yeah. uh, it's a nice sign of positivity and just that people are motivated. They're not going to stand by and just like wait and be the victim of a situation, which I'm a fan of. It's time to kind of level up. Oh yeah, for sure. And I love the fact that, as you just said, there was a sheer moment of deer in headlights for so many people. And some people are still in that state and they probably will be for a while. Um, but I re even entrepreneurs that I do know that have actually deer in headlights, I was for about a week and then I realized now is the time to really get ahead. And I'm sure I've said that on a previous show as well. But one of the things I really love about how you do this is your USP and the way that you do it for authors and experts and people that want to get their show out there is now is the time because there is, there's never been a better playing field. I mean, ad, Facebook ads have gone super cheap. 
like is ridiculously easy to get traffic now. Like, I don't get why people actually stuck behind. And I'm going to ask you that question. Why do you think some people still have the deer in headlights mentality? And specifically, what can they do to get out of it? I think this whole like Darwinism thing is kind of true. It's like, uh, it's not the strongest or the smartest that um, kind of make it. It's the most adaptable. And I'm paraphrasing, of course, but it certainly seems in business, like people often who find success, like doing one thing when there's a massive change, it's like, they don't really want to steer away from what's been working for them. Or there's a, there's a holdage to that thing. And I think for a lot of podcasters, especially is like, if they had a successful show, well, they just want things to stay the same. So the motivation for change isn't there at all either. And you kind of mentioned something interesting, um, previous Facebook ad and just Google ads addict. Like I, I spent a lot of time in there and it's not something I'd been doing a lot of previously in the last year. And it's only in the last three months when it's become just so lucrative again, it's because the ads have become so cheap. That's been one of the little pivots that's kind of been helping our podcast and other podcasts really get ahead. I'm enjoying it from the point of view of like, we're making good grounds against people that are kind of standing still at the moment, yeah. which, it, which has been there. But to the point is that I think, you know, people, are, we see this all the time, reluctant to change and evolve when that's where the opportunities are. I would agree massively. It's this whole thing that people kind of like live in the same, uh, not so much the shadow, but the, the belief that everything is always going to be the same. It's like we've, um, they've not adapted, as you said, to the idea that life is like an ocean, meaning in the sense of it's constantly going to change with the tides. Like it's going to rise and fall. You've got to be prepared for the fall and you've got to be prepared for the rise. And very few people are in that sense. So my question to you is specifically with how people are not adapting right now what could they start doing to adapt and change because they before they go extinct because that's what's going to happen to your business it will not see the end of the year if you don't adapt so my question to you is how does one adapt so it's i mean i play in podcasting world so this is where yeah, i've got kind of the that, most insight that's what i actually mean more towards i like say experts how do they adapt they don't have a podcast they don't have a show and they've been kind of relying just this entire time on referrals how do they actually hit that switch and actually take it up a notch. So uh, I'll go through a couple of examples because these are the ones that have got me excited. Um, we noticed pretty quickly that one of the things that was going to change the most for podcasters was that uh, commute times in gym wasn't going to be there. So people who often listen to podcasts while they're on the way to work or perhaps in transit to study or whatever it is, or a lot of people listen when they work out as well. Like these were the people that are going to be most affected. So yeah. I think if you were someone that was relying just on audio stuff, the shift you needed to make was moving into video because those same people all of a sudden had that time to watch. So the clever ones or the ones that saw this coming made a jump to video and video podcasting. And I think they uh, fared the best and also probably acquired the most uh, new people to their audience as well. So that was one of the adaptions I saw really, really well done. The second one we kind of looked at is I noticed quite a few people that were like maybe in events um, or doing things that were more, uh, while still in the expert kind of niche, we'll call it, but doing a lot more in-person activities is like they've been able to make the shift once again more into like if they had the book or they were doing events, uh, streaming that stuff. So streaming uh, readings or streaming stuff that they would have been able to produce at an event and kind of making that jump over. And I mean, you only have to look to, um, as a company that sells these adapters, um, so you can use your DSLR camera as a webcam. Oh. And these adapters are normally like 90 bucks. Uh, they're going for about $450 on eBay at the moment. 
it's not, it's some price gouging going on, but it just kind of shows like how many people are trying to make those shifts and kind of roll through. But they're the ones I think are probably the most lucrative at the moment. I would agree with you entirely. And kind of jumping on the whole thing of like price, price gouging right now, holy crap, it is insane the amount of stuff that I can't get a hold of right now that I'm like, wait. So um, I actually have a couple of lights that I need to put up and I don't have any tripods for them. So I've got to buy like the actual pieces for them. For some reason, they shipped without them. Fair enough. Like usually $10 tripod, something like that. Now like 70, 80 bucks. I'm like, what the hell? We are not playing who has the most, let's gouge the shit out of this. Let's just actually be okay still. Um, I get it. I do get to a certain degree. But going back to the whole thing with adaptation, I, I agree with video podcasting entirely. I just suck at doing it, mainly because I don't like editing. And then anytime I do a video, I look like, well, I look like this. I look like I've just woken up. I can't look as fresh as you, man. For the people who can't see, uh, he looks excellent and I look like I haven't, well, I haven't shaped, shaped in days because I'm growing this motherfucker back out. But my point I, I definitely look to the point of it's more work. Like I, I will sit here and say like doing a video podcast or is definitely more work than just doing an audio podcast. And I think that even just doing video in general can um, cause a lot more, but the advantages that come from it and the leverage that comes from it, I've kind of just looked at and said it will justify the expense. So for me, I kind of look at this right now and I'll say that video podcasting is probably twice the effort for my editing team and us to organize and for this room to look nice and there'd be lighting and all this stuff. But where we get those wins is when it comes to like, we can also turn this into a YouTube show. We can turn it into short videos. So we've really been able to kind of amplify it into something so much bigger where it's um, from my point of view, I just think, and looking at the whole picture of going, well, this is a more leveraged and better way to go about it. Because in general, if you're an expert, you're probably doing other forms of content or making videos additionally as well. Massively. And something that you just touched upon that's brilliant is doing the snippet run and um, something as an idea for you, but also for the people listening at home. Um, If you're doing a video podcast or doing any kind of live stream work and you're selling it to a VSL or something like that, um, one of the things that's working really, really well for us for all forms of traffic is actually running about a three to five minute video slice Uh, of something really like part of the content that is it isn't your best work but it isn't your shit work it's like a 50 60 percent of the best stuff that you have and you put it out there and you just run ads to it now the only text around it is you tell them what's going on but then you say hey if you want to watch the rest of the interview uh go click this link and actually watch the rest of the interview they end up going on that page they watch the rest of the interview and during that interview i end up um, we either get them to subscribe or buy something uh one of the two but it's so simple because I'm like, here's the stuff that we're doing for this. We did this for a client of ours for um, a VSL. We turned the VSL entirely into an interview between them and someone else and then ran that as an ad. People went onto the site and uh, the thing that it was like an hour and a half long of an episode. It was really, really in depth. We made sure that we hit every high point we could. They got to the end of the episode. They did a, like an offer bump throughout. They actually spoke about his products and whatever it was. And they just had a link directly underneath going, hey, you should totally go check out this thing um, and see if it's right for you. And they had the sales page basically pop out underneath. The, the conversion rates were insane. The traffic costs were even cheaper. I love that strategy as a VSL. I had never actually yeah. considered it in that, in that kind of context. But in a nutshell, you just described some of the like amplication funnels we run. Yeah. Like we're really big on those types of strategies. I think, they're, I think that's where, where it's at at the moment. The highlights or the snippets are just incredibly powerful. 
Oh, it is. Like, it's one of the craziest things about it is the fact that you have that. Now, my question to you is because you guys actually do have guidelines for helping people get the most out of their content. Me, I'm kind of one of those weirdos that opens his mouth and wonders what he's saying, if it's any good. Whereas you guys actually have a systematized process, almost, if I remember correctly, or you do have one, that tells you exactly what type of content to put out, specifically that kind of follows a framework but allows you to do your own thing. My question is, what type of content do you guys actually recommend clients put out and that's actually seen a big return on investment in traffic and you know uptake? And the second is, how did you guys come up with this content template anyway? I'll, ask, I'll answer the second question first because that will bring you to the, how the first uh, question kind of comes into an answer. Sweet. Um, um, so I, I'm someone of that is just, I would say I'm probably, I'll say I'm a connoisseur of podcasts. Like I've absolutely loved them. Um, hugely because of the impact it's had on my life. So I think for a lot of people, like uh, I'm a big reader as well, but overhand, I can say that podcasting, I've learned more from it has been more impactful. So the reason for that is like when I was, you know, going back, this is more than 10 years ago now, when I was uh, driving to and from work, podcasts were the things where I was like, I was learning about all this stuff. My world was changing. Like it was a huge impactful piece. On the back of that, anyone who's had that type of experience, and I dare say you probably fit into this camp as well, Adel, is that you go, that was awesome. I want to do that because I want to have that effect on other people. It's like I looked at the power of what these shows had done, and I'm like, oh, oh I really want to be able to do that. So, of course, I started a podcast. <laughs> um, and this is not the podcast I have today, but this first podcast I had, um, I ended up doing like 100 episodes and like nothing came from it. We really, really struggled and I'm like trying to work this stuff out and I'm going through it. And eventually I just got like sick and tired of being sick and tired. Like I could see there was an absolute gap between what I wanted to happen from a show and like what I perceived was happening with other shows. So I, I actually threw in the towel and said like, clearly there's something I don't know here. I don't understand this well enough where we can turn it into something special. Gave it up put it to bed and said, like, I need to learn more about this and I'll come back to it. Then maybe a year later, like we'd really gone away from it. We finally come back to it, but I approached it completely differently where I actually spent months analyzing what successful shows were doing. And so I managed actually, to put... Kind of like jumping off of that point, what were some of the things that you were doing, the successful shows were doing? Like, as a question down the line. I'm asking it now, so don't fucking forget because I will forget asking, that to, uh, asking you that. We could loop back around to it. Well, fair enough. But, I think with one of those things, it's like um, on the surface, podcasting seems really easy. Like you just yeah. speak in a microphone, you interview people. And it's kind of like, I would say like uh, comedians probably struggle with this as well, where it's like a lot of them look like they're really not trying, but I bet you they're trying really hard. Oh, they are. <laughs> I mean, you know, the added fact that he was a comedian. That's why I used as an example. I thought yeah. you'd, you'd be like, yeah, no, it's actually no, no, no. really hard. It's, it's, it's anything to do with creativity. If, you, if you're good at it, you make it look easy. Well, you've seen how my brain works when I do like breakdowns of copy, where I just start talking it out. That looks easy as fuck, but as we had the discussion before the show, you know, how it can be a little bit more than that. But anyway, please continue. I'm just jumping in. Absolutely. But this was one of those times when I think I didn't appreciate what went into a podcast. So this is the whole thing is like, I presumed because of how easy everyone else was making it kind of feel. Yeah. That's just how, how it was like, you know, like surely, and it didn't work for me. So I, I very much realized there was so much more to it. Just like I'm sure right now that if I went up at a comedy club and tried to be funny for an hour, I would quickly get a taste of the realism that, oh shit, this is actually much harder than um, I thought it was going to be. 
So to approach it differently. Well. I think you do pretty well. You're I, I'd give guy. it a go. I don't think I'd be the worst, but I definitely don't think I'd be good. But what, um, what would get in your way is the jitters, just the heads up for anyone who's doing this, is the jitters of the microphone. Like, honestly, that's all it is. Because you're on a stage above everyone else, and you're like, if I'm at a seminar I'm teaching, I feel okay because like, they're here for me, whereas these motherfuckers are going to heckle me. Or they can. Yeah, they want to be entertained. They're, yeah. they're, <laughs> they're not here to pick um, shit up on like how to do business, and they're here for entertainment. <laughs> you, have no pre-sold, you have no pre-sold credibility going on stage. Yeah, the premise is completely different. <laughs> <laughs> but please continue. Um, so I decided to like really go uh, deep into this. Like I hired as many people as I could who had big podcasts. So like I took on the mentors, did the courses, reviewed the shows, like went through the Gortland and ultimately started to recognize the similarities and differences between like a good show and not a good show and had built it into kind of like what I, what I call a lane. And I'll describe that. So for anyone that's like being 10 pin bowling, you'll recognize that um, there's a lane and you can have some bumpers up but ultimately you want to knock down the pins. And I think what I wanted to create or for our clients, but ended up creating for myself here is that I wanted to know what the lane looked like and how to stay within it. So have my own creativity, but keep it in the lane and have those kind of guardrails up. So I wasn't rolling gutter balls. Like I still wanted to be hitting the pins. So if I could design something that worked from like a, you know, an overview and we could insert, any niche or show or business in it to fit within that, then they could see a a similar level of success. So after it worked on my show, um, we then took on another show who was a friend of mine. I said, look, I got this thing. This could go terribly. I think it's going to go all right. Like let's, let's try it out. And he was keen and generous, which is great. So he's one of my good friends. Um, We tried it on his show, smashing success, worked better on his show than it did on mine. I was a little bit frustrated and gutted, but nonetheless happy to see he got some success. And I was like, okay, we're on to something here. Like this is how we want to do podcasting. This is our formula uh, for podcasting. So that system kind of became the Valor Media system. And we do adapt and evolve it today, but very much the way we kind of operate and work is rather than us just trying to tag onto your genius and make it work, I almost want to plug your genius into our system so that we can deliver a level of consistency. Because especially as a business, you've got to be able to deliver a level of consistency would yeah. be a huge risk to us to just go, Oh, we can make anything work. Yeah. exactly. I, I, it's like um, you as a copywriter uh, at always like to say, Oh, you can just write in any niche. There's no niche you couldn't do when clearly there's some that you would be more favored towards or yes. some where experience counts. Yeah, it really does. Uh, having the ridiculous experience of actually having that mindset of I can write in any niche which I did have for a while, led me to like 400 different niches that I have written. And the only problem was how many of those were I actually successful in? The good, the good news is I kind of lucked out and got some success. So like broke even, made a little bit of money with each one. But there were some that I'm like, I'm never going back to that niche again. That, that, that scarred me for life. I, I don't think I want to ever write for them again. <laughs> because yeah, it's well, crazy. I, absolutely. So much, much the same in this industry. I can totally imagine. So uh, there is the, the question I did want to ask you off the back end of that. What were the things that you actually found that plugged into your system? Um, because obviously uh, the, the goal for me is for people listening to this, please go message Charlie. He's absolutely fucking incredible at this kind of thing. But obviously there are some people that won't be applicable to you, but I'm just very curious. What are the, that you can comfortably give away, of course, what would you say were the big, um, big moving pieces that actually put this system together? Yeah, let's go through them. 
Yeah. So there was some that was here. So uh, number one thing we noticed, or I noticed, I should say, as I was building this, was that consistency played a huge role. It was very evident that in podcasting, there was very few overnight successes. Most of the people who had been doing this for a long time had been releasing between one and two episodes a week, likely for years. So it's like, okay, it's a a long game was the first thing we really established. Um, And then you had to have that cadence of one to two a week. When we went into episode length, and this is something we've certainly like um, grown stronger on this opinion now that we manage more shows, um, is that people really started to tune out once you cracked over the 40-minute mark. So we came to understand that if your podcast episodes are longer than 40 minutes, that you wouldn't be getting your content to everyone. So doing three-hour interviews like Rogan, which, yes, I attempted that. I thought it was awesome. I was obsessed with Rogan. It wasn't my best move. Let's be honest, we're all (laughs) obsessed with Rogan. Like, Rogan is kind of like the outlier. He's weirdly become the de facto leader of podcasting. I feel, I, I feel like it's getting to the point where he's weirdly becoming the de facto leader of the world. Like oh, it's yeah, actually it his really influence is. is getting crazy. Oh yeah. Like that's the, like that's please let's talk about that in a minute, but we'll continue this pin in it, Rogan ridiculousness. I want to know about this. Yeah. So I, w- I would just want to clarify that is like really specifically we work with business owners who have an expertise in an area who want to use a podcast to effectively generate leads and sales for their business. We're not in the business of working with people who want to be famous for the sake of being famous. Yeah, no, that's we, a whole. We don't do that. No, no, because yeah, this the, the strategy of using. Yeah, the people that are listening to my show, the we're all mostly business owners, or we want to be business owners, or they would like me because of my strange ass hat. Who knows? Could be. Um, so that that were the first universe ones. The next one that kind of came down to is that the show there was a, a niche. Um, level and I'll describe that a little bit is broad market appeal shows don't do well. So for people that try to go into podcasting and to say, do you know what? I'm, I'm trying to do a general show for every business owner. Um, it tends to go terribly. So being reasonably specific about who the audience is that you want to serve and who's going to get the most out of uh, your podcast really helps here. Um, and you can be too narrow, although my view on that is changing because we have a podcast that just focuses on surgeons. Like talk about a niche, just surgeons. Wow. does really well. Yeah, but well, it would do they're the type of markets. But the thing is with surgeons, there's a massive market of surgeons. There are a lot of surgeons in the world, let's be honest. Um, and a lot of people that want to get into surgery. So the, the interest is that I'd say it's not so much, it's narrowing down is a big thing, but as long as there's, there's interest. Yeah, absolutely. There, there has to be a, um, and a problem to be solved within a market, I would yeah. say is probably a big thing from there. So that, that was the ones we looked at from there. And then something I really picked up is that a lot of the most successful podcasts really only covered like maybe at a max of like five categories. And they just covered those types of topics the same way over and over again. So it might be from a different angle or from a different view, but ultimately they were solving the same problem in unique ways. So for my uh, own podcast, I'll use it as an example. So my podcast is for podcasters and there's only really three things they're interested in. It's just these three things. And as long as my podcast, every episode fits into one of these categories, like as long as it hits that, it tends to do really well. And one is that people want to know how do you grow a podcast? So how do you actually get people to your podcast? Any of my episodes that cover that in some way, do well. Yep. The second one is how do you make great content? 
Like how do I actually make content that my audience wants and that will convert? Like how do we do that? And then thirdly is like, all right, I've got people listening to my show. How do we turn this into sales? Like how do I monetize this? So as long as we trigger one of them within an episode, my audience will find it value. So coming back to this is general is that for most experts, they have those general categories. They may or may not be aware of them. There might be some testing, but once they nut out what those ones are, then it's just going deeper and deeper into those and, and coming at them from different angles or with different guests. Um, and that kind of forms the structure of some really good content. The next thing, yeah, it's a, it's a fascinating one. I don't, I don't want to overcomplicate it and say yeah. it can be harder than that. It's just that is no, what a, we have found. It's, it's a very simple thing. And while, by the way, just a heads up because you guys can't see this. When I was on Charlie's show, uh, I kept seeing him look down a lot. And I was like, what is he doing? Because for me, I'm like, I know I have ADD, so I tend to look around a lot. I have to have like visual distractions or fidget with things. Um, most times I'm taking notes. And I asked him, I was like, oh, what? he was like, yeah, I'm just taking notes on, could you repeat that? I'm just taking notes on this. And he was telling me this. Yeah, I'm doing the exact same thing here right now. Because I'm realizing as you're speaking, one of the things this show always hits on is I'm looking at what are the five categories that I'm hitting. And it's always every single person I bring on talks about either mindset, entrepreneurialism, traffic, strategy, and um, content creation. It's always around the business. It's always great around these great big pillars that we have um, kind of these areas. So it's, it's validating to know that that's what we do. But please continue. So you got like you got your categories, and then you've got uh, your sixth point. If I remember correctly, yours I've written down is F. We'll go with F here. Um, okay, so on the back of that, so you've 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 got your categories worked out. There was this other thing I really noticed as well with um, all the most successful podcasters is they were very very intertwined with email marketing. Yeah. So it was a huge focus on every, well, I won't say every, but most of them were either bringing people to their list and then using that list to take them to their podcast or taking people from their podcast to their email list. And the synergies between those two is just insane. So we did a bit of a test um, on one of our accounts. We had a a show that was uh, very, very consistent and we didn't send emails for two weeks. And then we did send emails for two weeks. And then we looked at the relationship between like downloads, sales, leads, um, and it was about uh, about 50% indifference, like just that much of a jump. So, and while you may not necessarily see the relations with them, it definitely has an impact. And like all our shows, that relationship is strong. And I'd actually say that for most shows, let's say like 90% of shows, the sale is done through email. Actually oh, convert on the email. Without a doubt. And uh, do you mind if I actually share a really fun little strategy that um, I use for some of my, so some of my clients... Uh, years ago, one of the things I used to come to was like, how do you get so good at interviewing people? Because this is, um, I don't know about you, but I'm sure you've done this, where you interview or you've been interviewed by someone and you're like, this is a car crash. This is an actual car crash of an interview, but you're like, I'm going to plow through, get through it. But you're like, yeah, no, like you're ignoring half the stuff I'm saying. You're just asking me repeated canned questions. It, it, it just doesn't flow. Um, so one of the things that my clients used to say to me was like, how the hell do we make our podcasts work? Like, how do we get traffic? And I have this like little idea and I'll share it with everyone now on my show. And uh, it'd be great to get your feedback on this. So the idea that I have that works with conjunction with email marketing, which is huge, um, is you don't actually send any traffic to the Apple or Spotify links right away. You send all your traffic to your uh, one page opt-in 
which is, hey, get updates for my show, name and email address. And then you have access to all the backlog on there as well on your site. Now, what you do is with a lot of the times when, I don't know if you do this, but a lot of the times when I have guests on my show, um, they tend to mail their list out with the show once it goes live. So like, hey, by the way, our show is live. Do you mind mailing out for it? Usually they say, yeah, that'd be great. Of course, I want to get my content out there. I had a great time with you. It was a fun interview. Um, what we do, instead of giving them the raw link to send to their episode on iTunes or on Spotify, we send them the link to our blog that has their podcast on there embedded and then an opt-in underneath it. And just as if you want more episodes like this, opt-in. Now, the thing is, say they have a 1,000-person mailing list and 300 people end up on my mailing list. I now have 300 people that I can, the first email I send out to them on that list specifically is like, hey guys, here's the episode that you want. Like you asked for more episodes, here's one. And then the next, the week after, I send them an email with another person that's them. Like let's just say it's uh, Lisa is week one, Nick is week two. Week one's traffic is 300 opt-ins. And I'm getting okay like views on, on Apple and you know other traffic stats. But week two, I've now got Nick mailing his list of a thousand people. So I now have 300 more people. Lisa's show may have got 300 listeners initially, but Nick's show gets 600. And then of course I back that traffic right back into Lisa again. So she gets another extra 300 from that. So just constantly, like every time I bring on someone every single week, we get them to mail their list and their leads end up on our mailing list. And then we use their leads to promote our next show, which makes Apple look like, it makes it look like on traffic for Apple that our numbers going through the roof, like we are growing at an exponential rate. The reality is we're just getting people to mail in. So you just hit on something that is like probably one of the things people don't necessarily think about with podcasting, but it's just the compound effect. Yeah. So like if you've got not just like your guest shares once, but if like if that guest was to mail and then that person becomes a subscriber and they see the next episode and the next episode, like leads aren't created equal in podcasting world. Um, they've got this exponential value. And like, this is one of the things that is like so attractive from my point of view. Um, there is some things that's interesting here though, is that the podcasting in my opinion is still early on. And I know that will sound weird, especially because I know you've been doing it a long time as well, have I. Been, yeah. It's been like, it's been around for a while, but it's still a new medium. It's a very new medium. I feel like it's been neglected a bit, <laughs> to oh, be honest. I, I love the fact that it's been neglected. It's one of my things that I actually enjoy because there's, uh, it's like radio. It's like, why would I go on radio if I can do video and appear on TV, right? I, it's just so fascinating. And even to your points there is that um, it's kind of been treated, treated as, it's like the ugly sister. Like it yeah. just didn't get any, it hasn't been given any attention for a long time. But this is where the opportunity is. But like in the last few years, it's really interesting to me, like how many radio stations are creating supplementary podcasts or follow-up shows. And without even realizing it, like radio is actually one of the catalysts driving people to podcasts. Yep. Like they're the ones actively pushing it. So the popularity is growing, but it's like the tech hasn't caught up. So things like iTunes and Spotify and that, they're, they're still not good with how to handle their data. Oh, or how to give you there's tracking. No, there's, there's no tracking data whatsoever. Like, not unless you have third-party installs and stuff like that, which, by the way, can be a pain in the ass to actually go through. Because, like, it depends when you install it. So if you install it on this show now, like, six and a half, seven years in, I've lost so much data for about the last six or seven years because it would only start from the point of call, like, from where it begins. 
so much opportunity, but absolutely like just one of the pitfalls of it. Yeah. If there's anyone out there, like my friend, Patrick Styles, who has Vidalytics, uh, make one for podcasts. Trust me, you'll, you'll, you'll sell a hell of a lot of merch. You'll just sell a lot of merch there because like we need tracking. We really do. We need to know when our show gets listened to, when people drop off, what the upsides are, that kind of thing. One of the questions I'd like, just to wrap up this point, but then also, do you remember the question I asked you, like when you started giving us an idea of um, why podcasting? I think I asked why podcasting? I asked you a question and I was like, let's put a pin in that and circle background. And I forgot what the actual point was. Oh, so we went with like, you know, um, how we came to this formula oh, and then we went it. through the actual formula yes. itself. And like yeah, we did. the markers of a successful show is like the universal things uh, we look at here. So we, we've covered a few points into that, but um, see, this is how seamlessly he is at this guys. He's so fucking smooth that he made me literally go, wait, did we forget something? So, no, he just weaved it right in. Uh, we, we, we like we like to we like to tie it all in together there. We we really do. it's one of the reasons we get on so very well. I think it, we we did this to each other earlier. It works out quite well. So one of the questions I did want to ask was, um, I'd say there's a fourth hidden not even question. It's like a, a theory that I have because you test it and it, it's working well. But I want everyone else to hit this out. It's the fourth. Uh, it's it's the extra category. So you have your three big categories that falls under, or your five big categories. But there's always like an extra, I'd say, hidden category, which is essentially. Um, wow, I just had the weirdest flashback to a dream I had last. Uh, to a dream I had. Anyway, uh, the category itself is the idea of vulnerability. Um, specifically, you did a show, if I remember correctly, it was the whole thing where it's like greatest victories and greatest failures, like Charlie's greatest hits. Um, I'd say that stands in its category of its own, known as vulnerability and reality. And that is what humanizes the show entirely because you can teach all this stuff, but if you have that one element of truth of vulnerability, I think it's kind of like the rocket fuel that kind of makes everything else work a little bit better. What's your take on that? That's a really interesting perspective. I suppose I think about it a little bit differently, but um, agree with it at the same time. I don't actually think the categories change. Um, So for example, um, after we spoke, uh, you had mentioned an idea that I thought, oh, this could actually do really well, was the idea of like sharing my greatest podcasting failures. Yes. So like after doing so many podcasts and like just some hilarious mistakes and then also some things that have been detrimental and just for the record yes i once did a podcast um where i forgot to hit the record button so we did the interview just forgot to hit record like just it happened like there's no going back from that so and i think many podcasters are recording with the wrong mic input who like uh, happens i'll, I'll give you one that i love uh this is early days of zoom i was using ScreenFlow, and zoom and ScreenFlow don't like talking to each other so I did the I did the podcast initially on Skype, but my the person I was interviewing her her microphone kept screwing up, so we switched over to Zoom. We got on Zoom, and something fell. Uh, we got on Zoom, and she uh, my my microphone and her microphone were not recorded at all for the entire show. And then when I messaged her to tell her about this, she uh, she never came back on the show because she was like, oh, I can't believe that didn't happen. Gosh. Oh yeah, no. It, it, was, it was it it was one of the few times in my in my show where now before I do anything, I tell everyone show up a couple of minutes. At least I can test it if I haven't already tested out uh, everything. But yeah, that that's one of my horror stories, just like relating to yours there. 
So I, I, I kind of think about it. So when I made this episode, I actually broke it into sections mm-hmm. and I actually made it my greatest um, promotion failures. So from growth, like what have I failed at? From content, what have I failed at? And then from monetization, what have I failed at? Because I knew these categories existed. That's so incredible. The pod, I thought it would be a cool little twist. That is um, a cool kind of so basically, yeah, you, you've essentially taken what is a, a vulnerable piece of data and put that directly into your categories. Wow, that is that is sorry, I'm actually completely speechless at how brilliant that is. I felt like when I recorded it once and I felt like I was kind of ranting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, you know what? I, I want to make this practical for my audience so they can learn from it and like have a better podcasting experience because I always want to put my audience first. I always go like, how can I make this great for them? Like what's going to make this episode pop where they're going to have the inside of the lesson or something that would have them go away from this and be better off and better as a podcast from it. So that, that was how I was kind of thinking about it. But imagine those categories exist. I, I think there's also like who you are as a host on your show, I think is really, really important. So it's one, like, and I think the best way to describe this is if I think back to high school, um, I had um, the most boring English teacher ever who was clearly waiting for a pension. And then I had the most interesting maths teacher who would make everything entertaining. And sure enough, I'm great at maths and terrible at English. Like spelling is a kryptonite. And I just go, it was pretty much down to this. And I go, the same thing kind of exists in podcasting of like who you are as a host. So yeah. your podcast, like you are that teacher, you are that someone in school and like how you rock up and present has a really big part of it. So if you rock up on your podcast and you are boring reading from a book, I'm so perfect and never done anything wrong. This fake phony version of myself. Like I just can't see that ever being a successful show. I, no, I just can't. It is. Um, you, you can't have that. No, not at all. And then on the reverse of that, like one of the things I think is really insightful and inspirational is that if you've gone through a journey, so for myself is like, you know, I had many failed podcasts and horrible experiences before having a successful show that relatability and vulnerability I think is really powerful as a host to drawing people in and um, having them uh, believe in the premise more and uh, respect you more in all honesty as well. Yeah. So I, I kind of look in that into a style and I, could you call it an archetype or um, of I what could, the show is, but that's where it kind of is, is like, it's, it's more about who you are as a host. I would agree massively. It's one of the reasons why I don't edit the show. Bar the fact that I, really dislike editing my whole thing was um like when i felt so just give you guys an idea to why the show is how it is when i started out i had the whole thing with the idea of being unplugged and i just realized that this show i could i don't know what it is about me as a host and maybe you can tell me charlie but for some very strange reason people like telling me like exclusive shit you don't hear anywhere else on the show like, for instance, I, I don't know if you've ever actually shared your content template, like how you guys do it with, like, on a show before, have you? Well, funnily enough, no one's ever asked. There we go. There we go. That is, that's what I mean. It's just that thing. Because, like, um, that's the reason why I love the show so much is because I don't ever want to edit anything out or make it sound different than what it was because I'm like, that's the person they are. Because at the end of the day for me, if I sound different than I do right now and you meet me in person and I'm not like this in person, then there's a disconnect of congruency. And that changes, I could possibly lose a fan because of something like this. Whereas for me, it's like, and I'm guessing for you as well, 
I am who I am even when I'm off the mic. This is me 100% of the time. So you guys so just I, I wish I could understand that uh, like five years ago more. Like right. it, it, took, it took me a while to be comfortable with being me on my own podcast. And I think a lot of experts can often relate to that. But your show has um, a unique authenticity to it, um, which, which I think is what makes it work. It's, um, it's a different dynamic. And like you, you've had many of the guests that I've listened to on other podcasts, heaps of them. Like I, they're very recognizable names. You've had some um, big names on this show that do the circuit, but the interview's different where it's like in different environments, they become someone different as well. They, they let themselves have to play. Like, um, I don't know if you've spoken to Courtney yet. Uh, have you guys actually booked that show yet? So she's booked in for next week. Ah, excellent. So Courtney, um, when I got Courtney on the show, I, don't know if you, it, I would suggest listening to the show on that we had together because great content. She's amazing. Um, but one of the things that she came out with was this is the first time she publicly told the world that she was uh, at one point in her life, a heroin user. Like she had never told anyone this for like three years. She was a heroin user before, like she got her shit together, cleaned up her act and, you know, became who she is today. Um, but she said that live on my show and afterwards she was like, I can't believe I got, I told everyone that on your show. I'm like, yeah, shit happens. It allows, you have a freedom. Um, and the same thing goes for you here. Like, this is the reason I wanted to have you on my show is because I was like, I get on with you personally and I want that personality of you out in the world because anyone that listens to Charlie's show, I'll tell you this much. There are, if I was to summate it in four phrases, it would be uh, professional as fuck. The, the dude is just professional. Um, it's, it's clean, so the audio is crisp. The content and value is incredible. So like, seriously, don't go, don't, don't listen to Charlie's show. It's not one of those shows I'd say that you'd listen in the background. You can listen to the background because you have an incredible voice. Um, but specifically, listen to it with a notepad and pen. You will be taking notes for days. And the last thing I'd say that if I was summate it in this phrase, it would be, it's groundbreakingly different, but with a breath, breath of fresh air. Like it is, it is so different from everyone else that interviews people. Because again, we've had people, we've had similar people on the show. We've had different people. Um, and it's the same thing. I've had someone on my show. You've had that same person on your show or, you know, friends that we've had on the show. And it helps me really realize who they are when you interview them. Like you're, you're one hell of a guest and a one hell of an interviewer as well. Like that's the thing. You're one hell of a good guest, one hell of a great, um, interviewer and anyone listening out there, please go check this shit out. It, it's incredible. Oh, I appreciate the, uh, kind words there. It's and it's so it's so nice to hear that. And I have to tell a little story here quickly. Please go for it. Um, so going back, I didn't appreciate that. So if we, we go back to that first podcast that failed, is that I um I didn't realize that I was having people on and they were giving the same interview. Like literally, you could listen to the interview I did with them, and you could listen to an interview they did on another big show, and it was kind of the same. Yeah. Asked the same questions. I tried to be that persona, and I was like, well. It really hit me one time when someone asked me, well, why would I listen to your show then? Like what, like if everyone's cooking the same meal, why would you go to that restaurant? Right. It's like, oh, actually it's the way they do that meal. They might use the same ingredients, but they can put a, a completely different spin on it. And um, when I looked at, okay, well, I want to create the interviews that they're not having on other shows, like cover it from a completely different narrative and get them to talk about things like much to your point there, 
the topics and conversations they're not having from there, it very much gives people a reason to share the content, to behave differently and create unique value that an audience would want. And I think it's yeah. uh, vitally important these days in podcasting. I would agree. And to tack, uh, tack onto that point as well would be, um, so you know the old, uh, like back in the olden days, they were like, yeah, you need to have like a signature talk that you give everywhere and every single moment. You go on stage, you do the same thing. But here's the problem with that. It becomes too samesy. And far, it, it, at some point, there was this old saying I used to have that I still believe in, which is um, you start to discount the message because of the messenger. The messenger starts becoming irrelevant. So to truly make it something amazing you want to actually if you if the messenger changes the message slightly the messenger is still relevant if, if the message is still the same another messenger has to come along to refresh that message um and that is something that i love about podcasting if you are who you are and you go on with a great guest like charlie uh sorry great host i always say guest because it says guest over your name on my freaking like oh, i'm book. a guest here yes i, I host keep in, in other elements <laughs> joy's brain yeah, take it off. Sorry, he's taking his jacket off and I get to like make fun of him for this. It's brilliant. He's got a better shaped I've, body than I've I do. Some, um, I've got some muscles. new lights in here, but it's like I, I've realized, okay, these things are, are putting out some heat. So I'm like, I might have to adjust them. But then I don't. Just start with a big, big uh, spender theme tune. But anyway, what I was going to say was tacking on your point was when you have a great host like Charlie and you're trying to be a host, by the way, if you're someone that's a host, my, and I'm going to ask you what would be like three things you can tell a host to do it. Uh, to do it correctly, one of mine is ask the questions that you genuinely want answers to. Like, don't ask them questions that's like, yeah, so like, uh, tell me how you came up with podcasting like everyone else. How would you do that? I'm doing a ridiculously high pitch because it's funny as fuck to me. But for me, it's like, ask the questions you want. Me, I asked about the framework because I genuinely want to know because I'm curious. But what would you say would be your like three tips for people that want to host their show to be more interesting? Um, what would you say would be the three things? Good, good question. I, I think the number one thing you have to do as a podcast host is um, appreciate the minutes you have. And I want to clarify that point is a lot of podcast hosts waste the start of their episodes with irrelevant backstories or small talk that isn't uh, of nature of value. So the first thing I think a lot of podcast hosts need to do is like get to the value, get to the meat. I think is such an important thing like that 30 minutes you can either make low value or high value all depending on how you dance around it and you know to relate this to copy it's like your start of an episode is your headline it's the most important so how's the weather oh that's fantastic in the family that they're, they're doing well and let's take this way back what do your parents do what, what were they like when they had you and i just like there are podcast interviews that don't get good until 20 minutes in and I'm like I missed it do, do people do that definitely really oh my god I see when you were saying that I was like man my my starts have been really terrible because like I spend all this time like bigging them up and then getting to know them slightly and then just having that show kind of thing and then when you're like yeah no people actually talk about the weather on the podcast I'm like yeah no thank god I don't do that I think it's a nervousness for some people, whether it's like it's an icebreaker to they they lean into the commonalities of weather and like time zone difference are commonly of like, Oh, you know, it's evening for you and it's day for me. No way. And it might've been cool when zoom first come out, 
but um, like we're, we're kind of at the point now where it's like your, your audience is kind of past that. So I think you've really got to, as a host, like value packet, like get to yeah. the meat, like you've really, really got to get to the meat. So the second thing is that um, I would very much look at, you don't want to be a reporter. You're not the reporter. That's not the premise of a show. So you will see shows routinely where it's like, they just want to ask the questions that are on a list and yeah. never go deep, deeper into anything. It's all mm-hmm. surface. There's no depth. Um, so I think the second thing you really want to do for a host is like that curiosity you spoke about. So whatever that answer is, is you've got to be able to go deeper and add value into it. Um, so that it becomes, uh, something more, it really does. And then lastly, like the, the next thing I would say, and this is probably the, the harder one to develop as a skill is that, um, when you are on with, um, a guest is making sure that you shine within the episode as well. Um, and you gave some get great points on this, um, when you came on my show about when to put stories in your podcasts or when to chime in or bring your own point of view. But if you want to imagine is that if there's a dynamic going on and you're just sitting there like making the other person look good the whole time and they're getting 80% of the mic time and you're just asking questions, like the audience is never getting to hear from you or develop why they want a relationship with you or you never get to demonstrate why you're the right person to buy from. So I think there's a delicate balance of being able to host and navigate a conversation where you're involved within it, when you're demonstrating expertise and talking about things that um, would add value to that topic as well. So they're kind of the three, I would say. Dude, I agree with you entirely. And just a quick side story on the last bit that you just said there. Uh, the person I learned that from was Evan Pagan. Like when Evan Pagan was doing an interview series in the dating market as David D'Angelo, he would get his guests to give their best stuff. And while they were doing their best stuff, he would actually then chime in about his perception on why that worked. And anyone that hasn't seen Evan Pagan, he is, his stuff is incredible. He's just a really cool dude, uh, like full stop. But it, it, it's crazy how often people don't go deeper. Like they just don't go deeper, like ask the better questions. And of course, uh, I'd say if you really want, if I wanted to wrap up what you just said right there, it would be stop being in, like, stop thinking about being interesting and be interested in who you're talking to, but also, uh, just as a tip, if you ever get nervous and you're like, oh, I really wanna talk about the weather or this other bullshit, one thing they say is get the person on the show five minutes sooner before you hit record and have a conversation, get those pre-show jitters out of you, ask them the stupid questions like, how's your weather, how's your day, blah, 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 out the way. Because sometimes what you'll find is, as we did, um, if you're having that conversation previously, you'll touch upon, like I was, previous to the show, I was slightly pissed off, and. Charlie knows this. I was slightly in a, in a weird headspace. Instead of like trying to repress it, I had the conversation with Charlie. We came onto the show. I brought that heat and energy and bam, we have one hell of a great episode where this motherfucker's gone ahead and actually delivered value bombs upon value bombs. And I have like about three or four pages worth of notes to go through because of you. Damn it. Um, but yeah, use that time productively. So when you get on the show, you can definitely just drop right into that energy. And one of my favorite questions, because for some very strange reason, you have a ridiculously good eyesight or a huge monitor, one of the two, but you were able to see into my bookshelf. Um, so, and that leads me to one of my favorite questions on the show, which is, and it's going to be a combination if you've ever had my show. It's what are your five favorite nonfiction books that you would recommend? And what are your five fiction slash movies? So fiction books or movies that include biopics that you would recommend people to watch? What would they be? 
Um, great question. I, I find this very, very challenging to answer just because there's so much good stuff out there. Yeah. I think uh, overwhelmingly on the, I suppose we'll call it the business side of things. I think The Road Less Stupid by Keith Cunningham is probably one of the best business books I've ever read. I think it's definitely got my number one. I have to like crack that one open then. Uh, it's just a phenomenal one. Um, I, and then I looked at books that were like game changers for me. So like the Boron Letters um, was like, okay. it just opened my world. <laughs> I really did at that point, which I thought was quite phenomenal as well. Um, next one down the list, I will go, geez, I almost need to flick, flick over the other ones from there. But it's like, you know, those, those two definitely played a pivotal role for me. Then I would say uh, Wealth Dynamics by uh, Roger Hamilton is one that I thought was a really awesome book to read. Uh, Jay Abraham Hutton. What was yours, by the way? Like your Wealth uh, Dynamics profile, curious. So I'm a mechanic. Oh, wow. Okay, that makes sense. I can see that. Star. I am not surprised at all. <laughs> I, you and I need to discuss this later. I'm curious to why, but we'll discuss that in a moment. But go on. Okay, so you were saying Jay Abraham. Yeah, so getting the most out of all you've got. Great book. Uh, Eli Goldratt, the the goal, I think was another one that I I've, I really enjoyed as well. Which one was that? Uh, Eli Goldratt, and it's called the goal. The goal. Cool, Eli. Cool. I'm actually going like if I don't have them, I'm going to pick them up. Thankfully, I have four of the five. Pretty certain on that. The only one I don't have is uh, Eli's book, I don't believe, or Wealth Dynamics. But I do have the program, so I have gone through that. Yeah, sensational stuff. Very, very pivotal, um, or pivotal, I should say, for me. Yeah, definitely. So what are the five movie-slash-fiction books? Uh, for, for me, I, I would say in that realm, um, I, I really thought uh, the Christopher Nolan Batman series Trilogy. was yeah. fantastic. So that's, I'm counting that as one, by the way. Trilogies are one. We'll count that as one. Uh, yeah. Back to the Future. Classic. <laughs> uh, Tiger King. <laughs> you know what? That show is, I, I'm, I, I'm going to say this. That show I thought was going to be horrible and shit, but then I, just, I got way into it. It's a car, it, the only description I have for it, it's a car crash you cannot look away from. I just am, it's like one of those things where it's like, I don't think I've actually seen movies with that crazy a storyline right. with people making stuff up. Like for this, I know it's probably uh, exaggerated in sections for entertainment purposes, but overall, like you could, no one could have written that storyline. Fucking um, spoiler, it. But, oh, It's magical. I love the storytelling. Just, just, just even the fact that he ran for office twice. That, that right there just shows you how crazy this is. But please continue. So you got, what's number four uh, for you on that list? I probably said The Matrix. I loved that when I was growing up. I thought that was phenomenal. Matrix 4 is coming out soon. I heard, which is, uh, I just hope they don't ruin it. I'll just go with that. I was happy with where it was. The first one was good. The second and third one, yeah. Kind of. I hopefully they do something that's kind of like fan service that kind of brings it back to like a level. We like we started really strong, had a couple of questionable moments, and then ended really strong. Yeah, the first one was definitely in its own league. It was. I enjoyed all of them for Same. different. Just the perception on the on the world, and uh, I think there was a lot of like um, 
the writing that went into that was just magic. Agreed. The only thing I'd say as a Matrix fan is the first one was far too good. That's what it was. The bar was set far too high. So anything that didn't hit that level just seemed like a disappointment to the public. But if you look at the second and third one as standalone movies, I I, I do like them. As like a part one and two of their own thing and the Matrix is an origin story, it works for me that way. And then I suppose last one I'll go Avengers. I quite enjoyed that as well. Amazing. Which Avengers? All the MCU stuff or Endgame and Infinity War? I, um, geez, this might be going. I didn't enjoy uh, Infinity War and Endgame as much as other people. Really? I thought that some of the ones before were, were better. I just enjoyed them more. Uh, the last one, particularly, I was like, wow, they went all out here. They really but, did. Um, <laughs> but some of the other versions of it, I, I just thought were, were quite awesome. Dude, I still cried during the Avengers Endgame. I'm not going to lie. The, like, not even like the, the sad scene at the end. That did make me tear up. But it's just the small little bits. It was like those emotional highs. By the way, for anyone that's like thinking, how do I actually recreate this shit? Go watch those movies. Watch any movie that gives you an emotional reaction and figure out why that is and then put that into your copywriting. You will see results like crazy. Like being able to do something like that. It's so interesting to think that a film can take someone's emotions to that level, but it's just, they, they certainly can. And it's also to do with the music. So few people think about the, the film score is so incredible with these movies because try watching those same emotional moments without music. It's, it's really weird. It's so strange to like watch a scene without any music in uh, those kinds of movies. But yeah, um, what, there was a question I really wanted to ask you earlier, but then my mind has gone blank, but that's okay. I'm sure if it comes to me, I'll just basically be like, Charlie, let's do a second round of episodes. Why? Because I want you back on. I do want you back on, to be fair. You'd be so much fun to have on for a second show. Anytime. Yeah, I love that. I, lo- I have, uh, for me, it's a case of, there's, I have a list of people that have, in my, they, some of them don't even know this, but they have a green light for any time they want to come onto my show. It's as far as like, you have my booking going, just book yourself in. Like, don't even ask me. Book it in. It'll show up in my email and I'll interview you. Do, do you know, not to like loop back into things, but um, what's interesting in podcasting is like, if, can you imagine, right, as a copywriter, imagine you write a great headline and a great piece of copy and it converts really well and you go, do you know what? People have seen this. I'm never showing it again. Yeah, right. It's, it's a but in podcasting, thing. they do it all do the time. Have, yeah, you have. Um, so just as a quick final idea to loop back on this before we end the show. Um, if you guys are kind of thinking, oh my God, how do I keep getting traffic to my show? Seriously, go back to your old episodes, pick up a couple of Facebook ads and run it to that old episode. I guarantee you, you will have new subscribers and fans because those, that person's list, like, um, I'll give you a perfect example. If I run, when I run ads to Charlie's episode, when we release this and we run ads to it, um, do you not think Charlie's fans are going to be like, they're going to love this episode. And then people that Charlie interviews and they become fans of his in a year's time. And they're like, oh my God, I really love his style. I think it's really cool. And then they see my ad and they've never heard of me before. And they end up on my show. And now I have new fans coming in because of Charlie. I don't understand people that don't repurpose their content like that. Keep running traffic. It's a good episode. One of the compound effects once again. And I think that we forget that people change. So it's like 
uh, this audience will be useful. Uh, sorry, this episode will be useful to someone six months from now that it isn't useful for today. Yeah, and then there's when I have you back onto the show again. There's going to be so, there's going to be other things that you would have picked up on that are incredible that people would have like totally missed out on. But that being said, guys, please go check out ValorMedia.com. And Charlie, what's your podcast name? So podcast is the business of podcasting. The business of podcasting. Please go check out uh, that show because it's incredible. And if I do say so myself, your first episode should definitely be his greatest hits and failures personally, because I think that's so much fun as an idea. Uh, your second recommendation is, of course, the one that I did with him because it was fun, weird, and I... I I don't know if I gave a lot. I feel like I did. I feel like you told me I did. I feel like I just spoke a lot <laughs> during that episode. Um, but yeah, guys, please go check it out. Please rate, review, subscribe, and share the show. It's absolutely incredible. Charlie, thank you so much for being here and being a great sport um, and giving so much fucking value. It's ridiculous. Uh, My pleasure. But, thank you for having me. Oh, definitely. Thank you for being here. I'd have you on all the time if I could. Guys, please go check out um, Charlie's stuff, Charlie Valor and ValorMedia.com, of course, the business of podcasting. Have a great weekend, and I will see you on the next episode. Take care.